It measures just nine inches in circumference, weighs only about five ounces, and is made of cork wound with woolen yarn covered with two layers of cowhide and stitched by hand precisely 216 times. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. And welcome to a brand new edition of 216 Stitches, a baseball podcast. Rob, let's talk about playoff and let's start... With that crazy seventh inning a couple of days ago, almost half a week ago now. Kevin, you know, I've been watching baseball my entire life, and um, I I cannot recall uh, an inning that, you know, and and I'm coming from an unbiased point of view here, remember. I can't recall an inning that showed so much drama, so much raw emotion that came across a television screen of that seventh inning of game five of the American League Divisional Series between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers. It was just absolutely insane. It was insane. You, you, I text messaged you. Um, you text messaged me right after the game. And we kind of had that. Yeah, uh, I was in like, South Carolina with 10 yeah. of my family members watching that game. Half of them, not even baseball fans, and we're all going ape shit. We're all yeah. going crazy. They're, we're not even big Toronto Blue Jays fans, but it's the, like you say, the raw emotions from that weird play of Russell Martin throwing the ball and hitting that bat of the batter in the box and holding that debacle for 20 minutes, and then the inning that followed just after. Can you imagine? It started with Russell Martin at bat after, right after it. It's, uh, nobody, no writer out there could have written that inning. It, it, for sure there's going to be a movie about that inning or something. There needs to be a book written about that inning only. A 30 for 30 at least. For sure. Uh, can you imagine the, all the rules and Ken Rothenthal going uh, crazy over... Uh, it could be just... Beautiful. Kevin, and the whole thing when uh, Russell Martin hit choose bat, did you have any idea of that rule? I've never seen it. Never heard of it. No clue at all. But uh, yeah, and it's crazy. At, at least that decision or the lack of decision didn't cost anybody the game. It, yeah, it started a yeah. flow of emotion that led to whatever the Blue Jays did after. But at least that point, that run didn't cost the Blue Jays a game because uh, that would have been just, uh, it would have felt bad for uh, the Rangers because they would have been, yeah, but it's because of that run. Oh yeah. It's because of that rule, you know? Yeah. And you don't want to see a game end like that. And it's, it's funny because you and I were discussing bat flipping on the, on the show previous to, to this one. And uh, lo and behold, when you and I were discussing what our thoughts on bat flipping, we've probably seen the most, the mother of all bat yeah. flips. The mother of all bat flips. What did you think of the Batista bat flip? Hey, it's in the moment. It's It happened. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's Batista, and they were getting chirp on by the Rangers, and the bench cleared twice in that game. But what did you expect when he hit that go-ahead home run? Of course he was going to do something like that because it was like, ah, there you go, guys. Ah, that, that's the kind of emotion that left when the bat was thrown, you know? And... Not only that, and then the the bench is cleared right after that when uh, after Tulowitzki 
popped out, I think, then in or struck out. I can't remember which what happened. And then Sam Dyson came and slapped him on the ass. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Why would you do that? It's, it's for sure. Uh, if if it's not confrontational, is at least like poking, literally, or like chirping. It's like a jab. You know, it, it's con- it's controversial. It's confrontational. Well, let's face it. Yeah, and then. I don't know. I don't like. No one's really came and said what Dyson said to Tulowitzki. Tulowitzki might have been. And Tulowitzki has a history of a little being of a little bit of a hothead. And you know, it could have been as simple as Dyson just saying, walking by and slapping it on the ass and go, you know what? Isn't this something? You know what I mean? So we don't know exactly, but at the same time, why are you slapping another guy in the ass who's not on your team? That doesn't make sense either. No, so, ex- exactly right. You see a little bit of everything in that game, Kevin. A little bit of everything. And then that inning after where. Error after error by the Rangers. Instead of two out, it could have been five out in that inning, but because of errors, it led to the Batista Omar go ahead on run, and it led to the Blue Jays winning that game five of the ALDS to move on to the ALCS to face the Kansas City Royals, which we are now two games in that series, Rob. Yeah, and both both LCSs are two are two nothing for uh for a team. Um, obviously the big story from game one where Kansas city, Kansas city deserved to win game one, but oh, game yeah. two is the big story is, uh, prices, how, how the wheels fell off. Now, I don't, I know a lot of, the, a lot has been said about, uh, Goins, uh, error just, uh, that led to the Kansas city floodgates opening. But you know what? To me, Kevin, the whole can't Toronto lost a big opportunity when they had the bases loaded the inning before with one out and couldn't like really tack on too many runs. If they went up like six nothing, seven nothing, then you know at the end that Goins error means very very little. I think that's where the issue was. I don't blame Price. I don't blame Goins. If I'm a Jays fan, I I kind of put the onus on the offense that couldn't come through when you know you you had the bases loaded with one man out. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's two series in a row where they take it to games behind in early in the series. Now they're going back to the Rogers Center for game three. There's Strowman's on the mound tomorrow versus Cueto. It's going to be a pitcher's game tomorrow. What do you expect? Do you expect the bat of the Blue Jays to reappear? Or before we move on to the other series, do you expect maybe Cueto to finally have a, a very good outing for the Kansas City Royals? I think Toronto's going to be uh, feeding a lot off the crowd tomorrow. And uh, anyone who's watched any games, and I'm lucky enough to be, uh, and I was telling you earlier, I'm going to be lucky enough to attend game four of this series. Uh, a friend of mine has acquired tickets. He's going to bring me. I've never been to a baseball playoff game, so I'm really looking forward to that, to get, get in this atmosphere. The I don't, I've watched, you and I both have watched a lot of baseball playoff games, and I think we can both agree no stadium has a better atmosphere than the Rogers Center. Where it's almost intimidating to play there for for a uh, for a visiting team, you know what I mean? Well, I've and, never experienced the Rogers Center closed and full with like fifty five thousand people. Hmm. That's going to be something well, that I'd be witnessing for the first time on TV, at least. And hmm. I can't imagine because yes, because it's a dome, one of the last few domes remaining in the league. This, the noise will be concentrated and, and the atmosphere. So it's going to be a spectacle to see in uh, that uh, ALCS. Game. Yeah, so I think Toronto feeds off the crowd tomorrow, and I think they get it. I think, I think Quato might struggle. Quato's only start against Toronto this year; he struggled. And uh, Stroman, I think Stroman hasn't gotten any decisions yet in the postseason, and both I think have been a but, little uh, bit unfair. He's the MVP of Game Five. Come on, let's face it; he pitched perfectly in Game Five. 
No, 100%. Uh, was it game five? No, sorry. Game three. That game was, one. Yeah. Uh, who, Cueto? Or yeah, uh, no, uh, Strowman. Strowman pitched in game two. Exactly. And, yeah, two, uh, two and five. Two and five. And uh, in the game two, we had the uh, the lead that go, went going into seventh that Cecil unfortunately blew for uh, for him. And then in game five, he, he, he basically kept Toronto in it to get to the point where they were able to win ultimately win the game in the series. So I think we're going to see Cueto get knocked around tomorrow. And Cueto hasn't exactly been lights out since he came to the Kansas City Royals. Cueto's best game, Kevin, as a Kansas City Royal, was game five for the American League Divisional Series against the Houston Astros. Now, maybe that's why you got him, but Cueto hasn't been the Johnny Cueto of the Cincinnati Reds. No, absolutely. That's what I um, alluded to earlier. Is uh, Johnny Cueto hasn't been the dominant player that we thought he would be, at least in the regular season so far, with the Royals because he never really got acclimatized. I don't know if it's a, the difference from going to a different type of national league now. To I don't know if his adjustment is different. Uh, we'll see if Cueto can be dominant now when time is needed or will the Blue Jays maybe have something to say with it. We'll see. Uh, let's move on to the National League where I know you like that coach, but unfortunately, Don Mattingly for, what, third time in a row now, yeah. the Dodgers get eliminated before they reach the championship series of the National League. And um, unfortunately for Don Mattingly, I think this might have been his last crack. And they haven't, obviously, the Dodgers haven't announced anything, and I don't think they will until the World Series is over. And that's, and that's you know, most teams don't, because I think it's out of a respect thing. You know, hey, you know, we're going to let the teams that are still in it have the main news stories. But um, I don't know, this is like, yeah, again, the Dodgers fall short again. And I think I think they really dropped the ball when they didn't let Chase Utley start after his uh, suspension wasn't, uh, well, was his, his suspension was appealing process because that would have gotten the heads of the Mets. But you know what? The Mets have been the surprise packet. Uh, you can say what you want about the Jays. You can say what you want about the Astros, this, that, and the other. But Kevin, at the beginning of the year, who the hell had this final four? You know what I mean? Nobody I, at least had the Mets. Probably nobody predicted the Blue Jays because how can you predict that trade deadline moves by Atopolis? You cannot predict that. Donaldson did, right? Like, oh, exactly. And so I think Chicago's a sentimental favorite, but the Mets as of tonight are up 2-0, and and uh, Murphy has, uh, is, has hit home runs in four straight games. Murphy's law. Oh, God, and it's just amazing. And uh, Syndergaard pitched another jump tonight. I, the Mets are the real deal, too, you know? And I think whoever wins this National League Series, I think it's going to be your World Series champions. Because I didn't... You and I both, when we did our playoff preview show, you and I really... I don't want to say we overlooked the Mets, but I, we, we, we really overlooked the Mets, I think. Yeah, but you... For some reason, we, we can't always overlook a little bit the National League. I don't know why the American League... I don't know if it's because of the DH and because there's one more hitter. And is it really that important when it comes to the, the game uh, in the World Series game? What the difference between the two teams? I don't know. It's... For some reason, it's maybe sentimentally. I always favor the American League because in recent past, the American League been a little stronger. I don't know if it's the case still this year. Cubs or Mets, the Mets have become good late in the season and they're going off that momentum in the playoffs. And they're doing something surprising is maybe the pitching rotation, the big death. Look at the Cubs. They burned Leicester in area in game one and two. Who's left? Our cousin? I don't know. Exactly. If you're looking at the Mets, they seem to have a stronger death. If you look at it just... 
who's going to pitch for them in game three as well. And they have a good bullpen too. Uh, DeGrom is going to pitch for the Mets. And he went 14 and seven this year. DeGrom, and, uh, look at the hair, the hair, dude, the little kid that probably weighs a hundred pounds. If he jumps on the scale. And same with the Senegard. Uh The Mets have a lot of people who look like girls. <laughs> and um, yeah, they and can the, pitch. Those girls can pitch. And for the uh, Cubs, it's going to be Hendricks, who's eight and seven. So, you're going into Wrigley Field. That's going to be an electric atmosphere too, just like the Rogers Center. But both away teams are um, are going into must-win situations. And there's an old saying, Kevin, and it goes for any sport. It goes for hockey. It goes for baseball. You're not in trouble until you in the playoffs until you lose at home. Neither team has lost at home yet, so you're not obviously two zero isn't impossible to come back from. It's a hill to climb, but once you get past that three zero, unless you're the two thousand four Red Sox, it's it's damn near impossible so but but, but it's baseball and when you're 2-0 the way they are going back home though for a three game straight stretch where they have a chance of winning three straight at home and then it's all for game seven and the other uh, it's you know that's a different i don't know what I, i don't know if i like it or not the fact that it's two three two i don't know what do you think about that format and uh, is it time to change it I'm not a fan of it either, Kevin. And I, I like the, uh, I obviously like the two, two, one. Like I, I two, like two, that one, format. One, yeah. Like they do in hockey. I like that format. And, um, I think it, it I think it's more of a, I think it favors more of the, uh, the, the team that earns the uh, home field advantage because all of a sudden you're playing three in a row at the, uh, at the opposing team's ballpark. Who, and, you know, I get that. The home team, the the team that has home field advantage, gets game six and seven at home. But if it doesn't get to game six and seven, if you lose one at home, if you lose one or two, or you have a split to start the series, really, you're really behind the eight ball. You can really play for the fact that you know what we're gonna get game, we're gonna get game five, and we're gonna get game seven, which are two of the biggest games in the series. Game five is always the, besides game seven. Game five is always the biggest biggest game of a series because it's either putting you up three two. Or it's putting you, uh, or it's ending the series. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, so, yeah, absolutely. And in the Blue Jays' case, in uh, again this time around, they still have R. A. Dickey was going to pitch Game Four, if I'm not mistaken, after Stroman. So, so that way they have a shot of maybe doing what they did in the round prior, where to get a couple wins, three in a row, maybe, and then it's all up to when they travel back to uh, Kansas City. And now the Cubs side. Can the Cubs, with their pitching rotation, put three together, put three wins at Wrigley Field? And that curse, yes, that curse might start to weigh on them. I don't know. Is it time? Is it the Cubs' time to finally, after 106 years, now it's 106 years plus two games behind, Rob. Can, Can they make it? They can, Kevin, and I think if the curse is going to be broken, I think there has to be some adversity. You know, they're not going to. Everyone just thought the Cubs were going to cruise the World Series after the, beating the Cards, and I think there has to. This has to be part of the story. You know what I mean? If the Cubs are going to break the curses, they, the Cubs aren't just going to cruise to the World Series. That's not how this story ends. There's got to be some adversity, like when the Red Sox when they won their World Series, they didn't just cruise to the World Series. There was adversity. They had to come back from three down. And I think this might be just a chapter written in the book of the Cubs. I still think the Cubs are going to win this series. I think they're going to get some unexpected heroes. You're going back to Wrigley. You're going back to your home barn. 
The fans are going to be insane. The Chicago fans are going to be all over. It's going to be an intimidating place. Of, and now the pressure's on the Mets. You know, the Mets are feeling... And it's odd to say, wait a minute, they're up 2 nothing. The pressure's on the Mets. You know what? No one gave the Mets a chance, including you and I. So I think they're they're kind of... They might feel that, where, hey, we need to put these guys down while we have the chance. And that could be a dangerous lead. 2 nothing could be a dangerous lead, much like it is in hockey. And it went into hockey, and they always say 2 nothing is the worst lead to have because kind of... Even when you're watching a game, Kevin, if you're watching a hockey game, your team's up 2-0, it gives you a chance to relax. You're like, ah, you know, we're up 2-0, but all of a sudden a team scores a goal, then you're on your heels, and all of a sudden it's 2-2. I think it's the same thing in series. If you're up 2-0, you kind of feel like you're relaxed, but if you give that team a chance just to slide into the door, just kind of give them that glimpse of hope, you're in a little bit of trouble. No, uh, yeah, probably. Uh, One thing that I'm wondering now is, I asked if the Cubs are going to make it. You still believe in the Cubs? Do you mm-hmm. still believe in the Blue Jays, or did Kansas City show you something that we did not expect that would because they struggled late in the season, but they're back to being a team as a team, not one or more flashy like the Blue Jays, and maybe a little bit more controlled emotion that maybe can propel them for a couple of wins. Uh, maybe that's one thing that you can fault the Blue Jays is how emotional lately uh, players like mm-hmm. Batista have become, and and once you get emotional, if you get into a slump, it usually doesn't help. Well, here's the thing, Kevin, and it's funny that you bring up that. And uh, my point is, I still believe in the Blue Jays because they were down 2 nothing against Texas, and who gave them a chance after that? Nobody. And here's the thing. But here's the Achilles heel to that. Here's the, other, here's the flip side of that. That series against Texas was so emotional, especially that game five, that they might have been coming down off that high of that emotional series where they're not emotionally ready for the, uh, the LCS. So in, in a weird way that, you know what I mean? Like they're still, that maybe that was their emotional victory and they weren't just emotionally prepared for the Kansas city. But, you know, we all know that the Jays can win games 15 to one. You know what I mean? So I still, I still believe the Jays can get back in the series. Obviously, the big game is going to be tomorrow. If they can win tomorrow, I think they can get back in the series. If not, then basically Kansas City can book their second straight uh, American League title. But yeah, I, be- I believe. What about yourself? Maybe the travel back to Toronto will get them settled. We'll settle things down. And we'll, mm-hmm. like you say, get them more ready and more into the championship series than into the division series. Because... They did leave a lot on the field in that game five. And it does take, there is a downward trend usually after a high of emotion. So you need to, to pick yourself up to get your bearings, to compose yourself. And yeah, it was two losses. Hopefully, they travel back to Toronto. They'll compose themselves and they'll appreciate that moment when they step on the pitch of Rogers Center for that game three. Pivotal one, because you're either down two, three, you're either facing elimination after that game, or you're one game away from tying the series. So that pivotal game three, Stroman on the pitch, the uh, on the mound, on that pitch as well, but just for brief seconds when he walks it, uh, when they're going to be on that field, hopefully the Blue Jays will be in that moment and enjoy it and perform like we all know they can, like they have been since the trade deadline. And I think for me, as I just want to see both teams tie the series. 
I want to see I, I want to see seven game series. I want to see battles. You know what I mean? You want to see first... game seven? That, that yeah, game seven baseball is something different because every single pitch counts when there's somebody on base. Every looks the signals. The, the lead off the base, is he going to go for this steal because he can be the go-ahead run if it's in scoring position? All those little details of a baseball game, when everything's on the line, it, it's something you don't get to experience all the time. What do you think of Price, Kevin? Uh, what, what's his deal in the playoffs? He, 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 he pitched a gem up into that seventh inning yesterday. What's, what, 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 what's, what's with him? Why can't he win in the playoffs? It's not that easy. It's not necessarily just all up to price. Everybody else, the batters, are a little bit more choosing of the pitch they swing on in the playoff. And when you're a pitcher like Price, where power is not necessarily your A weapon, sometimes it's position and the difference of pace of all the pitches that you throw to maybe throw them off guard to catch the uh, the guy swinging. When you play off, the guy will maybe let a pitch go one more time than swing for it, and it'll be called a ball. And that does play into your mind. So that could be one part of the problem for Price. That and uh, maybe the pressure, but I'm not sure it's the pressure. I think there's really something to the fact what the type of pitcher he is and the type of baseball that is actually played in the playoff realm. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think, and obviously, we know the playoffs and the uh, regular season are two totally different beasts. Um, let's just put it together. Let's put it this way: we are batters in a in a playoff. It's a tie game, zero zero. For example, through third, fourth, fifth inning, whatever you're at the plate, you're not going to swing at anything. No, you're going to be a little more careful of what you swing at, and. After a couple of innings, when you add up all the pitches together, it, it can explain for the difference of strikes and balls that he's been throwing when you look at statistically because of how just more picky the batters are. And yeah, because you're working counts a lot more because you want to get you want to get in the guy's bullpens a lot more. And pitch counts are always a lot higher in the playoffs because again, you're it's exactly what you said. You're working counts. You're doing you're you're being a lot more you're being a lot more selective at plate and in game in game uh, two against Kansas City uh, where the, in that when they put up the five run inning is that Kansas City was a lot more selective with their pitches and they had good at bats where you know they were fouling off pitches they were forcing price do you think Gibbons left price in too long in that game might have yes if you imagine you put him off at the fifth or sixth probably closer to the sixth inning then uh, the debacle doesn't happen but it's easy to say that in hindsight maybe he wanted to Keep his bullpen fresher for the longer of the series because it's a seven-game series. If, uh, but it's all if, if, ifs. You know, it's easy to say, but like uh, you're right. If goes and do this and that, it's everything could be different. Yeah, because if he makes that out, it, there's one out, and price, and all of a sudden, price isn't pitching with a man on base with nobody out. And it just, it's just funny because it, it, it just changes everything. How you pitch to a a, a guy with a. Uh, one out and nobody on base to as opposed to a guy with nobody out and one on base. Here's you know the I mean? same just, example. You got one guy on base, 
you need to throw the ball hard inside sometimes and try to throw for a strike with a fastball. <laughs> it's the seventh inning. You're a little more tired. That strike might not get to the 98 miles per hour like you want it to be because of that positioning. And if it does, it's going to float into the middle and boom, there's a hitch. It doesn't take that much sometimes, especially around that seventh inning. So uh, it really is different. For the, Pitching is really the name of the game, but in the playoff, just one pitch and one small error can decide a lot of things. And going is not the scapegoat, but it's just uh, one thing can happen and the repercussion of that error or of that domino falling can be seen in the rest of that game afterwards. Yeah, and unfortunately for uh, Goins, and he's not the scapegoat because, like I said, I think the, the keys were the Jays had the bases loaded twice in that game with one out and they couldn't capitalize on like a big, big inning. So I think it's got to come back to that. Quickly, Kevin, um, there was a piece of news that came out and uh, just kind of changed gears for a little second. Uh, Zach Greinke has opted out of his contract with the Dodgers and will test free agency. Uh, any predictions where you think he will end up? New York, Boston. You think Boston? he's going to a big market? Well, why not? Uh, the money's going to be there probably or maybe an upcoming market. I don't know who out there would could be able to maybe acquire a top 10 pitcher in the league like Zach Greinke. It's not every single year that you get that type of pitcher in free agency. So that's going to be interesting in that way. And he's kind of in his prime. So to see a pitcher like him in his prime and free agent is not unheard of, but it's going to be worth a lot of big bucks. And who can afford it? That's what you New have York, to look at. Boston, exactly. Chicago. There those, you go. Those there's, and just some margins of free agent as well. And also, Kevin, I read an article today, a brief one. I didn't read the whole thing. I just kind of gave a quick blurb. But apparently the Washington Nationals are open to trading Stephen Stratsburg, which three years ago would have been unheard of. So do you think Stratsburg's time in Washington's days are numbered as well? No, for sure not. They cannot do that. Otherwise, they'll be the laughing stock. There already is, they already are in my book because of how they treated this Strasbourg. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a debacle the way these treated Strasbourg, uh, shutting him down here and there, not using. I don't know. It's maybe the kid has been over pitch in his life, and it's already more used than his low age and experience in the big leagues. But I don't know if the way they treated the situation really is optimal too the development and how they treat him as a big star and having him pitch maybe too hard too early i don't know there's a progression needed to to maintain the health and then there was tommy john surgery and it's it's a complex situation do they give up on him already i don't know that that's something that's going to be interesting to follow yeah i don't know if they give up on him already because i know he did have the big surgery and i know that i can change a pitcher but you know what the guy's still young and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% agree with you the way that they handled them, shutting him down. I, I'm not a big fan of that. And I get after you have Tommy John surgery, like Matt Harvey, you know, and you have to kind of be a little bit careful about handle, how you handle your pitchers. But I'll be surprised if they train him as well. But and as far as the Zach Greinke thing, I think he's going to go to a big market. I think he'll end up with, uh, I don't know if he's going to go to New York, uh, but I think he might end up with a team like Chicago. Uh, the Cubs, or maybe even the White Sox, because they can send. But I think he's going to end up in one of those markets, Chicago. Maybe, maybe he stays in LA and goes to the Angels. But um, yeah, it was a little, it was a lot surprising. So I think the Dodgers might be in a little bit 
bit of a, especially if they fire Mattingly, they're going to lose Greinke. So I, I, they might kind of, re, I don't think they're going to rebuild, but they're going to retool. Absolutely. And I stay with my prediction of the Blue Jays as well. So, hey, we still predict the Blue Jays and Cubs World Series. Which... I predicted the Dodgers. You predicted that you had the Cubs going to work. I had the Dodgers on the National League side. So mine Yeah, but in... now you still, between the Cubs and the Mets, you predict the Cubs, right? Yes, yes, I did. Absolutely. So we still predict a Jays Cubs. It's two games out. We you cannot say that we don't have faith in our predictions. Uh, but until uh, exactly until tomorrow on the Sports Podcasting Network with the return of the Uncensored Hockey Show with myself and Daniel Ferrystein. Uh, for Rob McDonald, I'm Kevin Laramie. Thanks for listening to the Sports Podcasting Network, two sixteen stitches, and until next time, play ball.